Welcome to the Ridley College podcast. In 2024, we are pleased to be expanding our podcast with more regular episodes and a broader range of conversations. Here, you'll find public lectures, stories from our students and faculty, and insights from leading experts on the Bible, theology, and ministry. Well, welcome, everybody, and welcome, Matt. It's good to sit down with you today, and we are going to talk about the question, why is training people for children's and youth ministry important? Fantastic. Good to be here. It's good. We're we're going to interview each other, which is maybe just a more complicated way of saying we're going to have a conversation together about uh, this question. Um, It's sort of like you guys all get to listen in on uh, Matt and myself just having a chat, but we're recording it for our many thousands of followers to listen in. So... Matt, tell us about your ministry. Uh, what? Tell, uh, give us the, the brief bio intro. Sure. Uh, so I work for City on a Hill, uh, a church planting movement uh, that's in across three states of Australia. Uh, we, we've got 10 churches uh, and I am the, the director um, across all those churches for children's and youth ministry. Uh, and so in my role, I'm really investing in the health, unity, and growth of our people in our programs. Cool. You say you've got the best job in the world, right? I do. I do. I love the Lord Jesus. I love kids, and I get to bring both of them together, which is uh, as, as good as it gets, in my opinion. That's cool. I mean, it goes a little bit. My so my role here as director of the Center for Children's and Youth Ministry. I think my great passions are forming leaders and forming leaders for children's and youth ministry. Well, no, my love for children's and youth ministry, like actually when I actually get to talk to young people, um, live young people rather than just talking about them, I love doing that. Uh, And if I can't be doing that, then I can be helping other people to do that. That brings together two of my great loves. Um, So we're both interested in training leaders and we've been asked to answer the question, why is this important? So what's, what's what's your first response to that question? Yeah, I think it's very important uh, just for the great need there. I, I think there's a, a a massive harvest, as our Lord Jesus taught us. He said, pray for workers for the harvest. Um, and uh, I think that's a central job to do. I don't think that's the only job we can do there. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about, you know, equipping the saints for acts of ministry. And so I think... Uh, developing training, developing leaders is important because we're in word-based ministry. Um, People might have gifts, they might have skills, but we want to increase those. We want to raise up more workers for the harvest as well. And we really want people to do the best they can for these young ones to the glory of God. Yeah. And like that that answer, great answer, um, which I echo 100%. Let me let me push up. We'll do the devil's advocate thing. Like people would say, therefore, every ministry is equally important. So why the why the children's and youth ministry part of that, or or the training people to work with children and young people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> everyone seems to reference this stat. Um, I'm not sure how many people actually know what it is, but they say somewhere around eighty percent of those who are adult believers. Uh, talk about coming to faith in Christ Jesus uh, below the age of 20. Uh, That's a stat that I use um, with with some of those people that I train. The future of the church is in the hands of the Lord Jesus. 
Uh, but so often, of course, he calls young people to himself so that they're part of the church today. And of course, they can help shape the church of tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. And like I, I use that stat a lot as well. Uh, comes from the National Church Life Survey originally, but replicated in all sorts of uh, other studies and remarkably consistent that sort of um, uh, around the 80% yep. mark. Uh, you know, like I've heard some people say that's just evidence that the church is terrible at evangelizing adults, which, <laughs> I mean, may well be the case. Um, <laughs> but for me, there are two things. One is just personal passion and interest, and, mm. and the other is biblical imperative. Okay, So take the personal yes. passion and interest, and that is, like, there are a lot of us who just love working with young people, you know, and... I often do say to people who are involved in ministry with children or young people to realise that that's a little bit weird. <laughs> or at least, you know, that's it's unusual. Not everybody likes that. Not everybody finds talking with children about uh, faith and life, um, not everybody finds that interesting. A lot of people mm-hmm. find talking with teenagers about anything quite scary, um, which is which is fine. Um but others, others of us, we really like it. You know? So there's something about, okay, here's a passion, here's an interest we trust is given to us by God. So like Paul said to Timothy, let's fan into flame the gift that's mm-hmm. been given you. You know, yeah. Here's a gift yeah. that's been given you. It, 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 we don't have to say everybody needs to do this, but we can say that if this is something you're involved in, let's make sure we do it well and let's make sure we get trained for it, right? Um, but then I do reckon there is some kind of biblical imperative, at least for the whole community of God's people, handing on the faith to the next generation. Like that's a privilege that we've all been given. Mm. Yes. How do you do, how do you talk about this with generally the the congregations that you work with? Yeah, uh, my, my go to passage uh, would be Deuteronomy six. Uh, really love that scene. I can just picture it. Moses, old man, heard the crushing news, you're not going to go into uh, the promised land. Uh, And so of all the things he can say in his farewell speech, in chapter 6 he starts by reminding the Lord's people, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Again, he could say so many things after that, but what he says is these commandments I give you today impress upon your young people. Uh, That's that's my translation there. (laughs) And I, I love that verse or set of verses, really, because he goes on to talk about as you walk, as you lie down, and he really just describes normal life. This is not necessarily scheduled family devotions or anything like that. As part of your interactions, talk about the Lord and how to honor him and keep his word. And of course, parents are the ones who often do that, but he again doesn't actually direct it to parents. He directs it to hear, O Israel. And so it's the work of all God's people to get in there and support this work. Yeah, it's a privilege that we all get and and a responsibility that we that we all have. My go-to in the Old Testament is Psalm 78. Mm. Um, talks about, you know, we that we won't hide these things that we've received from the generations before us. We won't hide them from the next generation but we will, you know, we'll, we'll tell the next generation the, the, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, you know, his power, the wonders that he has done. Um, and, and, and that's, yeah, that, that belongs not just to us who are the children's and youth ministry leaders, but it belongs to yes. us as, 
as God's people. Yeah. I'm aware you love that passage, and I, I was actually just working on it recently, and I was just struck by the scope of it as it talks about those you heard the word from, teach your children so they can, you know, so the next generation, it's, it's just multi-generational and such a beautiful vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about the question, who will tell our children's grandchildren about Jesus? Because that's mm. the sort of uh, uh, vision, forward vision it has to the, the generation yet unborn that they would rise up and tell their children. That's the like a long-term project that we all yeah. get to be part of. Yep, absolutely. A, a lot of, therefore, of children's ministry training uh, has rightly focused on child-safe practices. Yes. There's something about that for the whole congregation. Like we want not just some people to be child-safe. We want, we want our whole community to be child-safe. So that's, that's sort of it. Well, I would say it's a given, but do you, do you find that a hard thing to convince people about, that everybody um, should have this level of awareness and create that sort of culture in our churches? Uh, yeah, we, I'd say, regularly get kickback from that. <laughs> uh, but a bit like yourself, I think uh, at one level it should be unsaid. Mm. Uh, but another level, of course, we know it has to be said because um, the church actually has quite a bad track record here. Um, I also think, though, that we do want to say what's necessary and essential so it remains in the forefront of people's brains. Uh, I, I'm a diocesan trainer in safe ministry, and there's this really great line they have in there that Jesus is the hands-on demonstration of God's love for the vulnerable. Yeah, And we know that, but we want to just keep making it forefront of mind to remind people. Uh, that it's not just those who are doing the face-to-face, one-on-one or you know, group ministry with our young people, but we want a whole church that welcomes, that includes, uh, that has an intergenerational mindset. So it's not just ministry happens over there, but it's something that the whole family of God is aware of and, and uh, praying for, acting to promote, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the realizations of what's what's effective in ministering to children and young people includes so much of this sort of incidental ministry of the whole people of God. Mm. You know, yes. when a young person turns up to church and somebody greets them by name um, and uses the right name, that, then that's actually something that's really quite profound about a sense of belonging. Absolutely. So there's there's a level of involvement in youth ministry that everybody in the congregation can be part of um, and needs to be sort of reminded of or, or informed about, equipped in and encouraged to do um, that that sort of background, the background noise of recognising these are, these are people who are genuinely part of our family. Mm, absolutely. I remember the impact that had me on me as a as a young child. Betty King asked me how my week was. <laughs> I haven't thought about her for years, but and I remember the first time it sort of made me. It was a bit jarring. Well, is she talking to me or is it someone behind me? But I knew that therefore I was noticed <laughs> and I was uh, important. I was valued by her. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So perhaps we're now getting into some of the different categories of worker, of ministry involvement. So we got this yes. general, the, the background 
um, uh, context of recognizing children and young people are part of our family. How do we help the whole community, Christian community, the whole congregation, every member, recognize they've got a role to play? It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's like be nice, um, know their name, and and be a how to have that culture of safety. So that's re- that's really key. Um, beyond that, you know, we often talk about these uh, four categories of uh, leaders. So there's the the volunteers who are your Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, mm-hmm. vocational leaders. So these these would be the, your children's and youth ministry specialists. Um, some sometimes paid and trained and uh, you know um, uh, in those formal roles. Other people that mm-hmm. are you know, they're the leader of the team. Uh, then there's the church leaders, like in terms of leaders of the whole congregation, your senior pastor, lead minister, the vicar, whatever it is that you call them. Yep. And then specifically parents who have, who have a special role alongside then, uh, I guess we've mentioned the fifth category that is like the whole congregation. Mm, sure. But if we take those other four groups, um, uh, should we talk about those four in turn? Um, where do you want to begin? Sure. Let's talk about parents. Uh, we've already touched on that. Mm. How do you want parents to be trained? Yeah, I've actually been thinking a lot about that one and working on it over the last year because I think we're, we're used to talking about and using language like partner with parents. Uh, where we want to um, see parents as the primary disciple makers of their children, as Scripture teaches us. But I think we're sometimes a bit vague, a bit... Uh, we lack clarity on well, what does that mean? What, what, what's the gold standard here? Are we trying to get everyone to do family devotions every night? Uh, you know, well, what does that mean if you've got a mixed of mixed ages? What if you've got really young kids? Um, and so I've really been uh, trying to work out what are the different levels? What do we mean by this? Uh, so ideally, we can get parents to understand their role get them to accept their role and then actually be able to do something about it and equip them to, to take this on. Yeah, the understanding and accepting, that, that really helpful distinction because there's, I guess there's a lot of parents who maybe have never heard that this is the, the privilege that's been given to them of being primary disciple makers. It's sort of second nature to those of us who are in children's and youth ministry. Well, it's become that. And, and maybe part of the problem is it hasn't always been the case. There's been this sort of growing professionalization of children's and youth ministry in that sense of you, you need somebody who's specially trained to be able to do it. So if you're a parent, your job is to take them to the place where that can be done. Yes, absolutely. I think, therefore, we need to help the uh, the, the parents to actually visualize what it might look like. Um, some years I've run uh, training for children's and youth uh, workers, volunteers. Um, And it's interesting that they're far better equipped (laughs) to do word ministry with young people than often parents are. And so I think we need to sort of create that vision of what it can look like. Never underestimate the ministry of prayer. Are you praying regularly for your children? Uh, I remember once meeting a mum who was just in tears because uh, her Children had stepped away from the faith, and she just thought, "Well, I never, I never actually prayed for them." Imagine, it's awful feeling that way, like regret. Um, we want parents to pray. Uh, I think we want them to to talk about faith, to have those conversations. 
where are you? Not just, I don't know, have you read your Bible today? (laughs) But how are you walking with the Lord? Those sort of conversations that we want anyone in our pews to really have with one another. I I do think we need to set that standard and, and teach people to read the Bible. Again, not just sort of say, hey, have you spent time with the Lord today? But are we equipping young people to read and understand the Bible? Or are we just saying, sit down with the Bible and try and figure it out? <laughs> uh, and then finally, I also think that um, integrating life with the word is so important. It's those conversations that, you know, there's a young child in your car and a rainbow in the sky and you remind them of God's good promises. Or it's watching a movie or TV show with your teenager and talking about how that actually intersects and what with life, whether we agree with it, et cetera. Um, And I also think it doesn't just have to be that formal. A really great book I read last year was talking about how um, we don't need to necessarily equip parents. Get parents in the same room. (laughs) If you know someone who's smashing goals here, get them to talk to someone who might not be, but get parents talking to parents, the struggles, the successes, this is not working, what have you found? I think... Oh, we just need to do more of those natural conversations. Yeah, 100%. Not having the models to follow, I think, is the one of the, one of our biggest problems. And this is something that we've started doing with the, the parent sort of gatherings that we have around the youth group uh, at the church that I go to. So once a term uh, during youth group, the parents will meet um, and yep. we, we try and resource them in something, talk about some topic that they're interested in. Uh, but... We've sort of stumbled upon a practice that now we want to do every time we get together. It's just take, just as we begin, take two minutes or three minutes and tell each other what's one parenting win that you've had in the last month, what's one parenting struggle or challenge that you faced or, you know, somewhere where the wheels fell off. Share that with one another and then pray for each other. So three minutes and just trying to build up this culture. What would our churches be like if that was just the reflex habit, you know? Yes, Bump into absolutely. another parent at uh, in the shops or down the street or over morning tea at church. I was like, before we start talking about other things, oh, okay, look, here's my parenting win. This is, this, this is really not working well. It's that sense of I've run out of ideas, but my ideas could be fresh for you and your ideas are going to be fresh for me. Yeah. And then also just recognizing that all of us have bad days. Mm, it's hard. You know? yeah. yeah, being yeah. real. Yeah. Mm. I love that. And then the other practice that I'm trying to engender in uh, youth ministry leaders is whenever a parent comes to you and says, uh, I, I want you to talk to my child about this issue. You know, I'm worried about my child and their use of the, of social media. Or I'm worried about my child and their study. Could you talk to them about sure. that? for a leader to always respond with the question, so can you tell me what have you said to them about this already? What's been your conversation with them about this already? And not in the sense of you need to have fixed it, but you need to have had the conversation and you're not just Mm. able to, but it's really important for you to have have opened that that topic with them in some way. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I reckon... Well, I wonder what do you what do you think parents are most anxious about when it comes to this role? Yeah, great question. 
I, I, I like what you've said there about there's so few role models. I, I, I just really pick up on I'm not sure people know what to strive for. Mm. Um, and so the overhanging fear there, I think, is what if my young one turns away from the faith? Um, often, of course, uh, I think we associate that with something that happens in the youth ministry, the teenage years. Um, and, and you've got this almost parental anxiety. There, there's no one my child's age in their peer group at church where we've got almost musical chairs as uh, people go to different churches to find the right youth ministry. And by that, they simply mean a number of people the, the same exact age. I, I'm just not sure that's necessary. Uh, statistics, you know, the sticky faith uh, studies show that parents need to be interacting with their children. The, the mum's faith is often the most formative and uh, the one that affects the, the children's faith, oh, sorry, their offspring's faith the most. Um, if you've got some other ones, other young people um, or leaders talking into their lives, I, I think that removing that fear of they must have peers <laughs> yeah. uh, for them to remain in the faith is also uh, something, a conversation that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. That, the, the fear is so is so big and I think attached to that then is some degree of shame that perhaps I've got wrong, which is that reminder that this is the whole community that needs to be trained yes. in this and got yeah. to support, support parents, which then gets us to um, I think the role of the senior minister, the senior minister needs to be trained in this in that sense of how do you lead a congregation, uh, a church community that keeps this sort of priority and emphasis before parents and before non-parent adults together so that we can see that here's a responsibility and privilege that we get to all sharing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I've noticed that as I um, work for different churches, inevitably I need to build a team around me. Uh, I need to, to grow that leadership base. Uh, but then for further growth often to take place, I need to actually spend time with training and equipping, helping the, the senior pastor, the vicar, um, whoever it might be there, the senior minister, to actually understand children's and youth ministry and try and get them on side there. Uh, so I, I'm finding that I increasingly have to spend more time there uh, to, to help them to not only grow their understanding but therefore grow the understanding of the church. Yeah, yeah. So he got these roles for non-parent adults, parents, senior ministers that I would say are not so much they need to know how to do children's and youth ministry, although, I mean, parents, there's certainly a how-to, um, and, you know, we've spoken about that role of just saying hello to a young person, that's sort of a how-to as well. But it's what I mean is that all of these people don't need to be the vocational expert or the person who's yes. going to know how to organise a children's ministry or organise a youth ministry, but to know what that involves and therefore what role they have to play in it. How do they support, how do they make this uh, possible, viable or easier to be accomplished? You know, um, Parents pursuing their own faith uh, with, with vigour and passion makes the work of a youth minister, children's minister, uh, um, easier. It sort of connects. Mm. They've got these connection points. A senior minister who's discipling the whole uh, adult congregation to recognise the the place of young people and 
um, the need for, um, you know, uh, parents to be focused on that role, that, that becomes something that enables the whole system. But then in all of that, there is still a dedicated, well, well, I would argue there's still a role for a dedicated um, uh, specialist in ministry to children, uh, ministry among uh, young people. Do you reckon there's, do you reckon there's still a case for that? Uh, what, what, like, what's your argument there? Some people would argue that, you know, this is, um, once the whole congregation's involved and parents are doing it, that that's, that's the Bible's model. Where in the Bible does it describe the youth minister? The answer, nowhere. So is there any justification for this? Yeah, I think so. Uh, both practically, um, uh, well, in fact, I won't say theologically, but <laughs> um, you, you mentioned already about just passion. Um, I genuinely love spending time with young people. I find their names, their stories easier to remember than often uh, adults in the church. Uh, and so I, I do ask the question, why would we restrict that? But more to the point, I think you need someone to be their champion, someone to often represent and uh, speak up for them. We want to provide a voice for young people in the church today. And sometimes, at times, someone needs to, to uh, exercise that role for them. I've also had the great privilege uh, in, in my ministry work life to sometimes work for quite large churches. And there, there's a real blessing in being able to specialize into those different areas so you can really think hard and long, uh, read deeply and perhaps widely about these things. And while we might say, hey, look, every person, every minister should do evangelism or prayer or uh, you know, whatever it might be, there is a real blessing when you get that opportunity to specialize in these mm. areas and bring that opportunity to think about how do we do this better? And I think that's a real blessing, particularly for children's and youth ministers as well. Yeah, it's like people who decide they're going to be an early childhood educator, you know, they're, they're, they're yes. educators like somebody who decides to be a high school teacher or somebody else who decides to be a university lecturer. They've, they've all got education on their mind. They all want to see people formed. But there is something yes. about the early childhood years that there's a, there's a level of expertise. There's, there's a, as you say, uh, there's a, a body of literature and understanding of what are the issues that are specifically, particularly going on for this group of people and teenagers as well and uh, all the different sort of varieties in between because there's, there's so much change and variation in those years. Absolutely. Um, I, I, look, I think that's not just, I mean, but it certainly is the privilege of a large church that you can get somebody who is like dedicated on the staff to do that uh, full time. But even within a small church, if there's somebody who does have that, they have a real interest and they're, mm. they're committed. They, they, so they want to understand what are the issues, how do we best help a child to understand these things of Christian faith, what are the best resources that we can direct parents to, um, uh, what are the best um, or, the, or the most uh, uh, useful sort of music that we can uh, share with our children. There's just something about that awareness that can be, can be a real gift. And I guess that's the, the focus uh, particularly of particularly of my work at, uh, at Ridley is 
uh, training people to be those sorts of uh, specialists, not so that they can be the Pied Piper and take all the children and young people just to themselves, but to be the, the person who ministers to the whole congregation, helping them to uh, understand what their role is in helping to form children and young people and to be that advocate that you mentioned, the person who's creating the space for the contribution that children mm. and young people might make to the whole congregation. So there's there's a whole bunch of uh, of thoughts that uh, that come from uh, Matt and myself. This is uh, this is a valuable area of ministry. It does have uh, some theological heft to it in terms of <laughs> this is the this is the role of the people of God to hand on the faith to the next generation. Uh, particularly a responsibility to parents, but not just to parents. It can't be parents in isolation. The whole congregation has got a, a part to play here. And there's a place for people to develop that specialised, uh, focused um, ministry role, whether as a, you know, a, a key volunteer or indeed somebody like, you know, Matt, who, or myself, we, this is our life. This is our vocation. And uh, we look for a place where we can continue to serve God's people uh, with that focus for all of our days. Um, is the that's the dream, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so here we go for the advertorial part of this uh, of this podcast. We've spoken about the importance of people being well trained for ministry among children and young pe- young people, parents, volunteers, church leaders, specialist vocational leaders. Where could they go to get some good training on these sorts of topics, Matt? Uh, well, I'm not paid to say this uh, where, where you are. So <laughs> I, I personally find the Ridley uh, online certificate with the free modules there um, for, I'm sure you can uh, correct me here, but I'll just sort of say children's and youth ministry. I, I found them really valuable to point uh, people to. Um, I also personally value and have benefited from things like the Ridley Co-op. Um, where you might have vocational specialists talking about their children and youth ministry, but you've also just got some of those champions, some of those advocates, some of those people who say, there's not much going on at my church, but here's how, here's how I can learn. Here's some questions I have. Uh, and just networking in that way, I, I also feel really valuable. Is, sorry, is a really valuable thing as well. Um, and uh, probably I should say as well, we've got the upcoming Ridley Children's and Youth Ministry Training Day, and uh, that'll be an excellent opportunity. I've attended that for the last few years, found it a helpful thing to also promote with my people uh, and see them just come, pick different electives, um, sit, sit together and, and discuss afterwards and debrief and therefore just, just grow our ministry in that way as we invest in ourselves and our understanding. Yeah. And, uh, and look, I'll, I'll jump in and where Matt can't uh, celebrate the keynote speaker at our upcoming <laughs> event in uh, 2024. So, Matt, you yourself are going to be uh, presenting and uh, helping us to think our theme is uh, sort of all around unity. Um, what's a, you got a snapshot of what it is that you're going to share with us? Uh, well, I actually mentioned Ephesians 4 before. Um, Ephesians is probably my favourite chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, sorry, book, book of the Bible. Um, I'm going to be speaking from Ephesians 4, uh, where it talks about unity there in and through the Spirit uh, and uh, the benefit that is for the body of Christ. There you go. A uh, bunch of things. Um, we are, you know, we're really wanting to affirm just the 
the opportunities that are there for all of us to be better equipped at this, well, I keep saying it, the privilege and responsibility mm. that we have from yes. God to share Jesus with children and young people. So, look, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a parent, whether you're a senior church leader or an aspiring vocational ministry leader, we here at Ridley we want to serve you in all of these areas. And so uh, there's a few things to keep in mind. There's uh, the intro to children's ministry, intro to youth ministry, Ridley certificate units. There's the co-op, which is our community of practice. There's our training day coming up, uh, if you're listening to this, in uh, early 2024. That's on the 16th of March. Um, and uh, it'll be it'll be the Saturday after Labor Day in 2025, God willing, and in future years if uh, for all those people in the future. Uh, and then also just generally come study at Ridley and come and uh, join us with the, with the other units that we do in this sort of area. So there we go. Uh, Matt, thanks for your time today. Pleasure being here. Thanks for chatting, Graham. Good on you. Go well. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Ridley College podcast brought to you by Ridley College. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and liking our podcast. Also, be sure to check out our Ridley Chapel Sermons podcast through the link in our podcast description. This podcast is made possible through the generous donations of our alumni and supporters. We welcome your partnership with us in our mission of equipping men and women for God's mission in our rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. If you'd like to contribute to our work, you can donate via the link in the description below.